Welcome to day 149 of uh, Shaped uh, by the Word, season two, the drama of Scripture. And the drama intensifies for the nation of Israel as they've asked for a king, uh, like the rest of the nations, and they've, to their disappointment, they find out that the king that God has given them is a king, like every other king. He's not the kind of king that's described in the book of Deuteronomy uh, as one who is humble before the Lord and who seeks the Lord and meditates on God's God's law and rules according to him. Matter of fact, he's a king who's been very selective in his obedience, and he's more uh, concerned about his appearance before the people of Israel than he is about his uh, holiness and purity uh, before the Lord. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe, Matt Kresge, and Katie Kresge as we continue our journey in the book of 1 Samuel. And we come to one of the most poignant uh, passages in Scripture uh, where the Lord reminds us that he looks at people in a way that's completely different than the way that we look at people. We, we consider uh, their impressive qualities you know, from outward appearance and the gifts that they have and the bearing with which they carry themselves. But God is, is looking at a heart, uh, and it's a much deeper place. Mm-hmm. So as we uh, continue our, our journey, um, as always, and, and, we, and we, we do not make light of this, we, we need to know that we come uh, to God's Word uh, as a gift that God has given us that is breathed out by His Spirit and as the primary tool His Spirit uses continue to form Christ Jesus in us. So we're humbled at the gift. Uh, we pray for understanding, but more than understanding, we pray for a, a heart uh, of obedience, unlike what we talked about yesterday, that's picking and choosing when and where we obey, but one that's fully devoted to the Lord. So before we uh, read it's an important chapter, key chapter in, in the Word of God. Uh, Matt, why don't you lift us up with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the the chance to come together into your Word and to hear from you, to draw near. I uh, thank you for the invitation um, to draw near and both the means um, by which we come and, and the acceptance we receive knowing um, when we are in your presence, uh, we belong because of what Christ has done on our behalf. So, Father, as we read... Um, today as we as we meditate on it uh, father would you um, would you transform us would you shape us uh, would you fill us with your wisdom and your spirit and give us insight father we thank you for this time uh, bless it it's in christ name we pray amen first samuel 16 the lord said to samuel how long will you mourn for saul since i have rejected him as king over israel fill your horn with oil and be on your way I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You're to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. And they asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass, but 
Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. So he had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They are still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had been brought in. He was glowing with health and had the fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn, horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Fine, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I've seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit of God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Interesting turn or twist in the story. The new, newly anointed king is now invited into uh, you know, Saul's presence. Uh, you have a evil spirit, and of course the interesting thing in this text is it emphasizes on a number of occasions that the evil spirit is from the Lord. And of course we immediately, you know, go to James and said anyone is tempted. Let's not say that God is tempting him, for God cannot be enticed by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So we have an apparent, you know, contradiction in the text, you know, with the Lord sending, you know, an evil spirit or an evil spirit that is, you know, coming, you know, from the the Lord your God, and and also an interesting you know kind of uh, you know twist that uh, you know music is uh, you know really kind of turning it back for the moment, and we'll turn it back completely. Mm-hmm. We'll learn that being skilled at the lyre doesn't always save you from the tip of the spear. Uh, <laughs> as we continue, uh, you know, to move through this, so you're looking at chapter 16, and certainly the heart of it is uh, how God looks at a person as opposed to how we look at it. What are some of the things that, you know that stand out in this passage? I think for me, the initial thing that stands out is the contrast between um, Saul's heart from chapter 15 and David's heart in chapter 16, and that the Lord sees both. Um, And so what looks very impressive about Saul um, is actually not not at all. It's quite the opposite to the Lord. Um, And what looks unimpressive about David is... um, is not at all what God sees, but he sees his heart and he sees his intention and his devotion to him. Um, and so, and of course you already mentioned just that is, um, that is something that's emphasized in this chapter, but I've never really thought about its contrast with the chapter before it, um, that their hearts are, are in two very different places. Um, and God sees there's a, there's a deep devotion there, um, with David and there's no, there's nothing impressive about David except for his handsomeness. 
<laughs> and, and of course, interesting he rephrases the unit that we have there, uh, you know, in, in light of that. But you do remember, you know, whenever you know, whenever Saul was selected, he was as handsome as anyone mm-hmm. in Israel, and he was, he you know, a head taller. So he had the bearing and the look of a leader. And, and of course, that is exactly what Israel had asked for. We want a king like the kings of the other nations, you know, those that have the bearing of leadership and those who have, you know, the ability, uh, you know, in battle of, of, of other leaders. And, and, of course, Israel had to learn, you know, a hard lesson that these are not the qualities that God desires in a king. And we're far better off with the qualities that God desires, you know, in a king than the qualities that the nations around us would choose or the, the qualities that we would choose. And, and so we need to learn and we need to, uh, know how to you know look deeper, you know as as, as well. Mm. You, you know, I mean, see Samuel getting caught up in it a little bit. You know he he goes to Jesse and you know, the son's standing in front of him. He's like, oh well, surely, mm-hmm. surely it's one of these guys. And then that's <laughs> when the Lord responds to him. Man, don't consider the outward appearance, but you know, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then obviously we see him all kind of get rejected. And then there's David out in the field mm-hmm. tending the sheep, playing the liar. I guess I don't know what he's <laughs> doing out there. But again, you know we. We're no different than that, right? You know, we often do look at the outward appearance for mm-hmm. success or for this obviously must be the guy, but the Lord operates so differently. Mm-hmm. I love that when we meet David the first time, he's just out tending the sheep because that's going to be a big, you know, kind of theme in the mm-hmm. next few chapters is they keep referring back to how David was faithful with the sheep and, yep. and took care of even just, you know, his brothers are like, what about just those few sheep we have? You know, are you paying attention to those? And he's like, yeah, they're taken care of. Mm-hmm. But I also, uh, especially in this section where, you know, we're looking at this this king that that now God has rejected. Saul is is no longer you know the king that will be fit for Israel. But we're really watching behind the scenes. It's pretty pretty explicit in this section that God is still the one who, you know, is sovereign over Israel and cares for them. And, and just how many times I mean, I was when I was reading it, you know, I have rejected him. I am sending you. I have chosen. I will show you. I will indicate. I have mm-hmm. rejected him. You know, I've not chosen this one. I've not chosen this one. This is the one I've chosen. Mm-hmm. You know, just how the Lord is is sovereign, and He will continue to guide and lead Israel. Um, and, and so we're just seeing. You know, it appears like something's happening. It's like weird. Like what's going on? You know, how many different sons are going to have to pass by? Samuel's worried about it, and the Lord's saying, I- I'm the one orchestrating all of this. No, I, I love the fact that uh, Jesse has uh, forgotten that he had a, an <laughs> yeah. eighth son. He's like, do I and have? After, oh. Yes, yeah. And uh, uh, even though he's, he's called to invite his sons, there's one he just leaves out in the field, and he says, surely not. Even he was overlooked even by his own father mm. as a candidate. And, of course, this is a perfect illustration of something, you know, that Jesus, you know, Jesus taught. Uh, you know, that uh, many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And that is a demonstration of God's priority. It's not so much, you know, first in the minds of people, but it's first in the minds of God. And, and those are people that often go unrecognized by other people, but they do not go unrecognized, you know, by God. And, of course, the, the humility, you know, which you're, you're speaking to. We also learn a little bit, you know, and, we, and we've... we've uh, uh, we uh, we've, we've alluded to this. We also learned a little bit about the theology of Israel. You know, in verse 14, now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, an evil spirit from the Lord, in a tormented him. And what, you know, in what aspect can we speak of an evil spirit, you know, coming from the Lord? You have that same kind of field, you know, in Romans where people are not giving thanks to God, they're not pursuing God, they're not recognizing him with, as God. 
and God gives them over uh, you know, to the you know, desires of, of, of their heart. Mm-hmm. And, and so in Israel's mind, God is a sovereign God, and once he removes his presence and his protection from Saul, uh, God is, is the one who has allowed this evil spirit you know, to move into his life and, and to torment him without being the author of you know, his uh, uh, temptation, without being the author of the choices that he has chosen. But he does give us over to, as you know, Paul observes in Romans, our depravity, and sometimes even graciously allows us to feel the full weight of our sin and the hope that it would bring us you know, to repentance. And of course, repentance does not come in, 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 the, life, in the life of Saul. Sadly. We've also seen, you know, throughout, especially through judges and other places where the spirit of God does come and go from a person. You know, at times the spirit of God will come powerfully upon a person and then the spirit of God will depart, you know, and, and just kind of anticipating for us this new covenant reality that when God, you know, establishes the new covenant and he has in Christ Jesus, he will pour out his spirit and he will not depart from them. You know, even Jesus' promise, you know, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age because the Spirit has come. And so we look kind of backwards at the coming and going of the Spirit, empowering people, and then, you know, moving off of, of certain people. But for us, knowing in Christ Jesus. Right. In, the, in the Old Testament, the giving of the Spirit is is a temporary arrangement with a few people for a special purpose for a limited time. Yeah. Uh, in the New Covenant is the giving of the Spirit as the permanent possession of the people of God and as a down payment guaranteeing what is 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 yet to is yet to come uh, to continue the work of transforming us into the image of Christ and bringing us into the new creation uh, of Christ. Uh, we sometimes take that for granted, and we do need to realize that, that there are cautions that are given to us that we can quench the Holy Spirit, we can grieve the Holy Spirit, and we can effectively, you know, shut out the you know the the, the Spirit's voice. And even though He's given to us as a permanent gift, when when we ignore him or when we displease him, we we effectively you know silence him and find ourselves in a place where uh, we've rendered the ministry of the Holy Spirit inoperative in our lives. We need to exercise caution. Mm-hmm. But our repentance is, uh, I, you know, his fullness is as quick as our repentance. And, and of course, the Holy Spirit can uh, strengthen. You know, people in a moment, mm-hmm. in a way that is more vivid than in other, in a particular moments that you know you might call the uh, an anointing or a moment when the, the the spirit uses you in a remarkable way. But even when the spirit is, uh, uh, we're not feeling and not seeing, mm-hmm. and what we might call unremarkable he's doing a remarkable work in us as he continues to bring us into the presence of christ and transform us into his image and obviously we mm-hmm. should covet that work of the holy spirit mm-hmm. over the more you know showy spectacular stuff which is cool too <laughs> let, also, god, let god be god <laughs> also couldn't help but think we talked about verse seven a lot you know do not consider his appearance the lord doesn't look at the things people look at people look at the outward appearance but you know, the Lord looks at the heart and, you know, thinking of Christ and, and thinking of, you know, even Isaiah, you know, 53, uh, speaking of Christ and, and, and speaking to him coming, you know, he had no beauty to attract us to him, nothing um, in his appearance that we should behold him. But he did have a heart mm-hmm. for the Lord, right? No and, and so it's not that we would look at Jesus necessarily and be like, well, he has everything 
on the outside that we want. That that's not actually the important part. But he had everything on the inside yeah. that we should want, and and lived it, and and now gives it, mm-hmm. and so can't help but think of Jesus, you know, yeah. and all that he accomplished. And Jesus was not necessarily a head and taller. He's not necessarily the most handsome in all of Israel. Uh, largely, you're you're speaking of he you came up as a uh, you know a pauper son or you know poor man's son, you know from a unannounced village, you know, without any training, you know, these are not the kind of people we look at, you know, for, you know, for leadership. And, and of course, the, 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 there's something that's, you know, very important here, too. I think we've all been guilty of, uh, you know, I'll, I'll at least confess uh, for, for Katie and David and Matt, <laughs> uh, you know, of, uh, of trying to, being more concerned about whether we appear spiritual mm-hmm. or not than where we truly are spiritual and obviously jokes aside confessing for myself sometimes I've been more concerned that I look the part than that I live the part mm-hmm. and of course that's something that's coming home with us in, the, in these chapters in 15 and 16 mm-hmm. as, 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 as we look at it mm-hmm. Father we, we confess that uh, we're, we we have our eyes on, on what people around us think we want to be hip we want to be cool we want to look like spiritual leaders and sometimes we spend far much more uh, attention on, on how we appear than on, 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 on what we deeply are. Uh, give us a heart for you when you have a heart for our heart and may we be a reflection of you in the deep recesses of our life. May what is deep and what is still and what is private be far greater than every effort. Uh, to impress others. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.